We had the marriage course in the week and it was absolutely fantastic. Hands up if you were there, couples. Wasn't it a great night? It was a brilliant time. So, yeah. So it's so great to be in the house this morning. And as Dan just shared, it has been a wonderful past few weeks in church. I think you'll agree. I really see that God is moving amongst us, that we're really in that flow of what God is doing. The Holy Spirit is present. People's lives are being changed. People are being set free. Isn't that what God is all about? So I'm excited this morning. So I pray that you will hear the message that God has placed on my heart for today. So growing up, I grew up with my mum and dad and my younger brother and sister. And I have great memories of us as children playing for hours on end in the garden. We had quite a big garden and we would literally, in the summer holidays, we would be lost for hours playing all sorts of games. We had a tree house, we had all sorts of things to do. And the only time we would reappear in the house is when we were hungry. And I now have children, and that is the same scenario. And so we would run in after playing for hours in the garden, and we would have a little ritual and routine. We would first go to the cupboard. We'd open the cupboard doors, and we'd look in the cupboard, and we'd see a bag of pasta, some cup of soups. This was mid-80s people. There was all sorts in the back of the cupboard. There were some tins that had been there since 1976. We didn't go for those, but there'd be a whole lot of stuff in the cupboard we'd look at. We'd be like, there's pasta, cup of soup, there's noodles. No, that's not going to do it. We'd then go to the fridge. We'd open the fridge. There'd be a couple of eggs. There'd be a block of cheese. There'd be some ham. There'd be some grapes. There'd be some dinner left over from the night before. And all three of us at the same time would announce, Mom, there's nothing to eat. We've looked and there's nothing we can grab our hands on. There's nothing to eat in the cupboard. The cupboard and the fridge are bare. And my mum would come in her wisdom and say, of course there's something to eat. There's potential in that cupboard and there's potential in the fridge. But you've got to think about what you need to do. You see, the egg in the shell is no good, but you can scramble it. You can fry it. You can make an omelette. You can go to the bread bin and get out two slices of bread and make an egg sandwich. Now, bread bin has become a bit of a thing in our family because years ago, back in the 80s, we did have bread bins where you put your bread. But now my kids are like, why did you put the bread in the bin? We're like, no, we didn't put it in the bin, but you just said, Mum, you had a bread bin. What's that all about? Well, it was like this container you used to put your bread in, and maybe you still have one today. Amen to the bread bin. But it was a random thing, and Amy and Jessica just look at me like, what the heck is a bread bin? But my mum would say, go to the bread bin, and you can make a sandwich with that ham and that cheese. And all that fruit in the bowl, you can chop up, and you can make a fruit salad. But in our eyes of seeing there was nothing there, my mum would always see the potential. And it's the same today with my kids. And I want to open up a story in the Word of God today. I want to camp out in one particular story, which shows us when this woman looks and sees like she has nothing, God steps in miraculously to bring about something out of her seeming nothingness situation. That God steps in with his miracle power into the natural of what she saw, there's nothing, and something comes about. And I want to encourage you with the word this morning. So we're going to open the word in 2 Kings 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So we find this woman... And she is crying out to Elisha the prophet. She's widowed. She's just lost her husband. 
And she's found herself in a situation where she has not got any provision. You see, back in those days, all the money and the finance and provision would come through the husband. And now her husband has died and he's left behind debt and she has got nothing. She's in a desperate situation. And in those days, rightly so, if you could not pay your bills, your rising energy bill, you could not pay it, they would come in and they would take your children as slaves. What a horrendous situation to be in. I can imagine this woman would go about her house frantically, looking under the sofa. Has anyone dropped any coins? Checking the jeans pockets. We've all been there, haven't we? Have I left a fiver in the back of the pocket from the week before? She's probably trying to get together as much as she can. Is there anything I've got in order to pay my bills? And she's in this desperate, desperate situation. And so she goes to the man of God at the time to reach God. They would go through the prophets at the time to hear God on their behalf. And she goes up to Elisha and she says, you know, my husband revered you. He was part of the company of prophets. He was one of you guys. He served you well. And we're a Christian family. And now I'm in a desperate situation. They're going to take my sons. I need your help. And she cries out. Have you ever been that desperate? We've needed to cry out. Have you ever been in that place where you're in a situation where it seems so immovable that you need the power of a movable God to step into your situation, to make a way when it seems impossible? Have you ever been to that place? Because like this woman, we need to call for help in our situations. We need to stop getting about trying to fix it in our own strength. What if I could just scrape together enough money here? And if I could just borrow here? And if I could just step out there and maybe I've got something saved over there? And in our desperation of running around like headless chickens, we need to stop and we need to go to Almighty God for our help because that's where our help comes from. We need to cry out to him. And I don't know today what's going on in your world. I don't know if you're deprived in finances. If you've got a deficit in a relationship, if you've got a health issue going on, if you've got a family member that you just cannot get on with and you're desperate for that relationship to be restored, I don't know if you're desperate for someone's salvation. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where God needs to step in and do something miraculous in the midst of your normal situation where you're like, God, I need your help. But I know that God knows about that and he's waiting for you to ask him. Stop doing it in your own strength. Stop trying to fix it all. Stop trying to make it all work together for good because I know someone else that works things together for good. And his name is God. And he's saying, won't you call on me so I can step into your situation and I can make a way where there seems to be no way. So like the woman, we need to call on the name of God. We need to ask him for help in our lives. Maybe our vision's got a bit blurred and we need clarity. Maybe we're stepping down one road and we're like, actually, I've come to a crossroads. Do I go left or do I go right? Do I go straight on? Where, where God are you calling me to? I've got this big decision to make about my future and I'm just not sure what to do. And in our own strength, we've got all these options and we get a headache. But when we say, God, you make the way clear. You show me the way forward. He will do that. But we need to call for his help. He's so close to us. As Pastor Barry shared a couple of weeks ago, he's the air that we breathe. He's so close to us. He's so caring about every aspect and detail of our lives. And he wants to make a way and he wants to bring about the miracle. But there's a way to do that and we're going to unpack that through this story. I want to encourage you with Psalm 34 verses 17 and 18. The righteous, that's us, 
those who have come into relationship with God. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, that's where our help comes from. That's the assurance that we have that as we cry out, the Lord will hear us and he will deliver us. Doesn't that fill you up with hope and joy this morning? God's got it, people. I want to tell you, God has got it. He hears you and he will deliver you. He's so close to you. He's the air that you breathe. And he's in this situation and he's in this circumstance. And he will make a way where it seems impossible. And we need God's help in our life to accomplish the dreams and the purpose and the calling and the gifts and the talents that he's put within us. We can't do it in our own strength because it will fail. But when we do it in his strength, miracles happen. Cool. So this woman cries out to Elisha and Elisha speaks to the widow. And this is interesting verse in 2 Kings 4 verse 2. So she's poured out her heart. I've lost my husband. I'm in a desperate situation. My children are about to be taken from me. And Elisha says to her, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. The first question is, how can I help you? But what do you have? What do you have? Well, I've got nothing. I mean, I've I've told you, there's no eggs in the fridge. There's no cup of soups in the cupboard. There's no fruit in the bowl. There's no flour. There's nothing in my house. I've just told you I've searched high and low. I'm desperate in this situation. I have got nothing except... A small jar of oil. A provision was in what she's deemed insignificant. It's just a small jar of oil. It's like probably oil for anointing. It might have been olive oil. This small jar of oil is at the back of the cupboard, but it's insignificant. I mean, what good is that going to do? They're going to take my sons. I'm desperate. I have nothing. You have a small jar of oil. She nearly overlooked what God would use to bring about the miracle in her life. And I want to say to you this morning, church, you've got oil. You have got oil. And I want to look at this oil as your gift, your talent, your calling, and your purpose. Your gift, your talent, your calling, and your purpose. But I've only got a small jar of oil. You know, I believe people are looking at what you have and seeing it as insignificant and small. And why is it as people we always look at what we don't have? Well, I can't sing like she sings. I'm not affluent like that person. I'm not qualified in that area. I can't do what she does. I haven't got the money that they have. I haven't got the provision. I haven't got the time. I haven't got the energy. And we go through all the things that we haven't got. And we're looking in the cupboard. Well, we haven't got this and that's not there. And we haven't got this. And we're despising what we do have. See, this woman had a deficit in her finance. And yet she had the provision in the oil, in the smallness in her cupboard. And if only she would bring the oil out, God will do something miraculous with it. And I want to say to you this morning, church, that you have got a deposit of God in you. You have anointing in you. You've got a gift, a calling. You have a purpose on your life. Each and every one of us has that. We've all got a deposit of oil. 
And we've got to stop looking at the largeness of somebody else's oil and think, well, look, look at them. I mean, they're literally swimming in oil. We've got to look at what we've got because actually when we pour out what we've got, that's when the miracle comes. But we've got to use what we've got. So in your cupboard today, you have got something. You are anointed and you're called, and you've been entrusted with something. And God is looking for a return on the oil he's given you. God is looking for you to invest your gifts and your time and your talent and your purpose and your calling because something miraculous will come out of your life if you just give it back to God. And there's something exciting that God is going to do. So I want to encourage you this morning. You know, each and every one of us is anointed and called. In Ephesians 2 verses, verse 10, I love this in the New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, each and every one of us is a masterpiece. You think of that in the art world. People will pay millions and millions of pounds to hang an amazing piece of art in their homes. We go to museums to view famous pieces of art. We are amazed at the workmanship and the art that has gone into creating these amazing pieces of art. And yet God has crafted each and every one of us. And we are so individual. He's put so many things in you that he's not put in me. And likewise, we've got our individual characters. And we might have the same gifts. People might be called to preach. But do we all preach exactly the same? No, because that would be really boring. We are called to be who God has called us to. And there's so much uniqueness and individualness in each of us. And God is calling that out of us. He's saying, I don't want you to be a replica of somebody else. I don't want you to copy and mimic somebody else's gift and calling in the business world, in home, in raising your kids, in church life, gifts for the church. I don't want you to be what somebody else is. I want you to be the uniqueness, the masterpiece I've called you to. Because you've got some oil. And when you multiply your oil, the miracle is going to happen through you. So don't sit there and think, I've got nothing. You've been given everything that God has put in you for your calling and your purpose in his name. But you've got to stop comparing and overlooking what you've got. Stop looking at what other people are doing and stop looking at their ministry or, or their world in the you know, business world or the finances or the things people have got. Well, if only I had that, I'd be able to use my gift. No, God has made you a masterpiece. He's put in you everything that you need to do that he's called you to do, but you've got to start pouring out the gift and talent that you have. And it's so important for us to stick with what God has given us. I'm going to share you a story now, which is really, really funny now, but at the time it was not funny. It's one of the ones that could be on the reel of church bloopers over the years, because who knows, things go wrong in church, don't they? You ever been in that meeting when someone has fallen off the stage? You know, yes, I've been there. Or when somebody has started to read the Lord's Prayer and they forget it halfway through and you're like, oh dear, they've forgotten the end of the Lord's Prayer. You know, oh, how does it go? You know, things happen in church. Why? Because we're people and stuff happens. But I'll share a story with you and you'll see the funny side of this. In fact, some of you may remember this. Back in the day of church many years ago, um, Dan and I were running a midweek evening meeting and we hired a church hall in Colchester. 
and we had this idea of walking us through um, how they would go into the temple in biblical times in the Old Testament of going through the outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies and we'd set up this whole thing of where we'd like wash the hands so we're cleansing ourselves, we'd have like coal to put on our lips and walk through what they would have done and we had this whole thing about the feasts and the trumpets and different things and we were so excited about it. Anyway there was a group of us in church and people were getting excited about this evening. Some of you know it's coming from the smiles on your faces and we'd got a few new people come to church and there was one particular guy and we're telling him our vision for the night and he said oh do you know I'm a grade eight trumpet player. I'm absolutely brilliant on the trumpet. I've got the best trumpet you can buy. It's the all singing, all dancing, souped up trumpet. Do you want me to bring the trumpet that night? So Dan was like, yeah. And I can see the prophetic in Dan. He's like, when, when we sound the trumpet, something miraculous is going to happen. And we were very excited about this. So a lot of prayer had gone into this night. And we got there. And when you're leading anything, you're excited. But your heart's going because you're a bit nervous. And you're like, right, brilliant. So this guy turns up with his trumpet. We gave him a lift there and everything. And, and just a note to people, the word hindsight. When he opened his trumpet, and it was so shiny in that box, it was just immaculate. Should have probably have given us a clue as to what would happen. Anyway, we're on the stage. We'd walk through the outer courts, the inner courts. We'd gone into the Holy of Holies, and there was going to be this moment. So I was on the stage with my husband, and we'd prepped this guy at the right time to, to blow the trumpet. And we stood on the stage, and Dan said, and, and as the sound of the trumpet comes... The Lord will bring his breakthrough at the sound of the trumpet. And he looked over to this guy and, and like, now, it's like you give someone the nod. Now, it's a good time. Put the trumpet to his lips and we waited on the Lord. You know that holy moment that's just not really a holy moment that everyone's forgotten what they're doing moment and he's standing there. And at the sound of the trumpet, word of the Lord will come. Still nothing building it so Dan said nudged him and I, and I heard Dan go just just play a note anything will do and so this was this guy's moment and he played his note and this ladies and gentlemen is what came out and it was that moment and you can see everyone in that holiness of they're receiving this trumpet sound the shoulders are shuffling look over at Pastor Barry he's nearly passed out on the floor with this moment, and so Dan's gone, again, do it again, come on, do it again, there's, surely there's a sound in there. And he did it again, and it sounded exactly the same. <laughs> and so at that point, I know Dan was like, there's so much of God in this meeting. So he stood up, grabbed the microphone, and did the trumpet sound himself. <laughs> it, it was amazing. I was like, when did you learn to play the trumpet? Hidden talent. Anyway, there was a very awkward moment when we had to take this guy home after the meeting. And at that point, I thought, oh, maybe he doesn't hear very well. Maybe when he took his trumpet exam, when they said at the end, you are ungraded, he thought they said grade eight. And he got a bit confused with ungraded and grade eight, but it was terrible. Actually, we didn't see him after that, after the trumpet incident. <laughs> But the truth is, you can't be something you're not called to be. He didn't have the gifting or talent for that. He probably had talented in many other areas. But it was awful. And when it was put on display like that, it was cringy. But we can laugh about it now. Church bloopers 2020. Back from the time. But the thing is, you have to flow in the gift and the calling that God has given you. 
And sometimes you think, I need to work at that, yes. Sometimes it's hard, yes. It's a sacrifice, yes. Sometimes it's tiring, yes. But you've got to work in what God has called you to do. And then that's when you will see the outpouring of the miracle through your life. So back to the widow in the story. So she's gone to Elisha and he has said, how can I help you? What do you have? And then he gives her some instructions of what she needs to do. And she has a choice in this moment to be obedient to what sounds ridiculous or to try and fix it in her own strength. So 2 Kings 4 verses 3 to 4. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. He's saying, do you know what? Miracle can happen here, but you've got to partake in the miracle. I need you to go and do something. You can't just sit there, God, I need a miracle, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle, I need a breakthrough, I need a healing, I need something. No, you've got to do something. So you've got to activate your faith. You've got to do something. And he said, you need to go around to your neighbors and collect some vessels. You need to get some pots and some jars and some tubs and anything they've got. Just gather everything you can, but they've got to be empty. They've got to be empty jars and bring them in. Bring them into this room. In the natural, it seemed ridiculous. What is this prophet going to do? All I've got is a small jar of oil. Why am I gathering this stuff? But they had to be empty. And I really feel that they had to be empty because they needed filling up with something new. They had to be empty. And for us in our life with our gifts and our calling and our purpose and what God has for us, do you know what? Sometimes what's in our jars shouldn't be there. Sometimes we've gone through life and we've found it hard. And there's some offense in our jars. And do you know what? There's some pride in our jars. And there's some hurt. And there's some disappointment. And there's some stuff that's got in the way that if the new fresh oil is to be poured into the jars, it's just going to get contaminated. But the jars had to be empty and ready to receive. And we have to empty ourselves out sometimes of life and what has happened and what was in the past and where I got hurt there and what happened there. And when I tried the gift and it went horribly wrong, but then I had to go again. Or when I've been tired of pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and no one even says thank you. And I'm pouring out, and I'm pouring out, and it's hard work. And nobody even says, oh, well done using your gifts for God. But sometimes we've got to empty out the stuff to be filled again. Go and gather the empty jars, because something's going to happen. Go and gather them so that then you can pour out, because we've got to pour out in our gifts and our calling and our talents. We've got to pour it out on people for God's glory. It's all unto him. And the place God has positioned you, in your family, your workplace, in your church, God is saying, are you pouring out? It's time to pour out. You've got to get ready to pour. And in the natural, this widow must have felt like, okay, here I am. She actually sent her sons to gather all the pots. And the sons brought the pots into the house. And she shut the door. So I imagine, I like to be visual, I imagine this table and she's got pots here. But then she's got them on the sideboard. And she's got them on the floor. She's gathered them from all of her neighbours, as many as she could find. And there she is with a little jar of oil. And in that moment, in the natural, what can she do? Nothing. It looks stupid. What, you think this is going to fill all that? Okay. Looks a bit crazy, but she had to be obedient to the word of God through the prophet Elisha. And he said, you've got to get ready to pour. But I wonder if there was a moment in her life of I've been to the cupboards and I've been to the fridge and there's nothing left except this oil, so I need to keep it to myself. 
I need to keep it because that's all I've got left. You see, if I don't hold on to what I've got left and someone else takes it from me, how do I know that I will get any more? You see, this is my last bit of money. This is my last bit of my gifting. I, I can't give it away to you because then I'll be left with nothing. But in the economy of God, that when we sow what we do have, he multiplies and creates the miracle. When we sow what we do have, how little we think it is in our mind, because there's a very real enemy who wants to tell you you're not good enough. You haven't got it. Your gift? Who wants to use that? No. He wants you to keep it on the shelf. He wants you to keep it in the cupboard and locked up. He wants you to, to say to you, well, if you use that, it's gone then. You're out of stuff. Well, if you sow that last £10 you've got into the offering, you're going to be left with nothing. He wants to tell you that. But the truth is, when you put your little in the hands of mighty, the miracle comes. And he's calling you to pour out the oil. You've got to get ready to pour it out. Don't be tempted to hold on to something because you can't see where the next line of provision is coming. Because my God will always provide my need according to his riches and glory. So you've got to keep pouring it out. You've got to trust God. You've got to pour out the little and see what happens. Because as you start to pour out your gift, your calling, your purpose, and your talent, that's when multiplication happens. When you start to give to somebody, that's when multiplication happens. You know, when you gather together a few people, perhaps in your same age group, and you start to pray together, and you start to encourage one another, you see then a prayer group is formed. When you have a heart for the youth, and you decide to get alongside some young people to help them with life, to answer their questions, to guide them, to hang out together, it starts to form a youth group. You see, when you start to use your gift of hospitality, and you invite one person over, it grows and more people get to hear about your amazing culinary skills. And they come to your house and they feel blessed through the meal. But it's not about the meal, it's about the connection. And something happens and then God enters into that relationship and he brings about something great that then spurs you on in your gifting. You know, when you start to do the one preach and you're scared stiff to stand up on a stage in front of people. But God starts to flow in the anointing that he's put in you and it starts to grow. This is what happens when we give him our little and he increases it to the multitude you know you think back to the feeding of the 5,000 you know 5,000 men plus the women and the children 20,000 people and the disciples go to Jesus and they say the people are hungry you need to do something about this what does Jesus say no you need to do something about this but 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 you you know hey you're Jesus um what we need to do something about this but we have nothing we have 20,000 people and we have nothing. And they looked around at the nothingness and then there was a boy who said, I've got my lunch. I've got five loaves and I've got two fish. Was that laughable for 20,000 people? I mean, how much of a crumb and of a fish scale would have been handed out? Probably not even one per person. In the natural, it seemed ridiculous. But when the boy gave his little into the hands of Jesus... The miracle took place because God's maths are different from our maths. Because he can multiply out of something so seemingly small. He can make something so extravagantly good. And what happened? There was leftovers, 12 baskets full of leftovers after one meal. We've got to give what we have, church. We've got to give what we have. It doesn't matter what you think about what you've got. But when you start to sow it, you will see what God does with your smallness into the miracle. You see, this woman was obedient, this widow, in 2 Kings 4, verses 5 and 6. 
She left him, that's Elisha, and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is no, not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. See, she decided to be obedient. She decided to do what the man of God said, and she started to pour the oil. Now, can you imagine being in that moment? The small jar and the big containers. She starts to pour it out, and one gets filled up. And then it's like, wow, this is amazing. But she doesn't use the one that's filled to pour into the other containers. She still has her small oil, and she pours it into the second one. It starts to overflow and it falls a bit onto the worktop and onto the floor. She's like, quick, boys, grab me another container. They give her another vessel and she starts to pour and it starts to fill it up. And she's looking around her and there's all these vessels, her house is covered in all these jars and containers of the oil as it's flowing. I mean, imagine that moment. But sometimes in our life, do you know what we do? We say, I will pour out my gift when it's convenient. I'll pour out my gift when I'm full already. You know, when I've had that brilliant week at work and everything is fine, then I'll pour out my gift. When everything is good in my finances, then I'll sow. When everything is good in my relationships, then I'll be your mate and I'll go out with you. But if I've got something going on and I've got some drama at home, no, I'm not ready to pour. And, and I'll pour my gift on the thing I like at church, but I won't pour into every area of church. And we withhold it. But the story is telling us that you've just got to keep pouring. It's not when you're full, but actually when you're empty. Because when you pour when you're empty, it's all about his glory. He is the anointing of your gift and your ministry. And he's the one that supplies your need. He's the one that gives you those gifts. You are his masterpiece. And actually when you say, okay, I'm not pouring in my own strength here, but I'm doing it in your strength. And the more we keep pouring, the more we keep lifting up ourselves as a vessel to God, the more he will keep filling us. And he keeps saying, come on, do you want to live in the overflow? Keep pouring it out. Keep pouring it out. Keep pouring it out and then I will pour into you because sometimes we hold on to it well I've got to keep this for me but when we say no God I'm giving it to you to pour it out on them he will pour it back out back into us we will live in that place of overflow remember what Jesus taught us in Luke 6 verse 38 give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over we poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I just love that. It's actually whatever area of our lives that we're pouring out into other people, we're pouring out into the business world, into our church, into our families, that the more we pour, the more he pours into us. You see, it's a win-win situation. The more we decide to say, okay, I'm going to give you this gift. I'm going to give what you've put in my life. And it looks different from everybody else, but that's where it's meant to be. It's meant to look different. But as we give it over to God and we keep pouring out, he'll keep pouring in. He'll keep pouring in and they keep pouring in. And then what? Our laps are covered with overflow. Now, have you ever spilled oil in the natural? I've done that before in the kitchen. It takes forever to wipe up and clean up. You, it just runs. It gets everywhere. But that's the anointing of God in our lives, the oil that he's given us. It's something that's going to run. And I want to think that my life and your life can just flow into the lives of each other so actually it leaves that residue of oil, of the anointing of God when we're using and serving according to the gifts and purposes that Almighty God has given us. You see, there'll always be more oil. But we just have to keep giving it. There'll always be more, but I lift up myself as a vessel. I'm going to keep saying, 
Pour me out and fill me up. Pour me out and fill me up. And you know, in those times when we can feel empty and we can feel desperate and we can feel like, well, I've given it a go and, and I've tried and it's just not led to the right place. Are we prepared to go again? I think a lot of us in the natural can be very tired. There's a lot of stuff going on. As we look back over the last few years of life, people can get to the point of, oh, I've got enough strength to keep going. But if we lift ourselves up, say, I'm lifting up to you, empty out the stuff that I don't need, pour in your anointing, let me pour it out, and then you'll keep pouring it into me. We've got to get in this cycle of pouring it out, pouring it out. There'll always be more oil. And for this lady, her solution did come. There she is with her boys in the kitchen and she can see all these pots full of oil. She can see the provision. You see, that was the currency of the time she could sell that oil. And it's all there. She's been provided for. Thank you, God, for what you've done in her life. She must have been like, oh, this is amazing. You know, the prophet that would go and anoint kings and be with kings in the previous chapters of the story is the one that would come to the widow and help her because the power of God that he poured himself out to hear God on her behalf. And her solution came in 2 Kings 4 verse 7. She went and told the man of God and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So the amazing thing is, she didn't just get what she needed for then. She had provision for the future. You see, she had cupboards still of oil. You know, she had a cupboard. It didn't just have the cup of soup in it anymore. She was able to put all the jars and the vessels of oils in the cupboard. She had more than enough. She went and sold the oil and paid off her debts. She got to keep her sons. And at this point, imagine that, but look, I've got leftovers. She could live for the rest of her life on the oil that was left over. God didn't do just what she needed for that moment, but he did what she needed for the future. And that's what our God does, you know. He's got enough for the future. But when we withhold it now and think, well, I need to look after me, myself, and I, and he's saying, no, 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 I'll look after you if you just pour it out on them. If you just use what I've given you, you've got anointing. You've got a calling on your life. There's uniqueness in you, and God is saying, I want you to pour it out I want you to pour it out and maybe some of us have been at that place where we have poured out before and we're feeling like okay I want to go again I want to say today is the day you need to go again church today's the day I know you've been hurt and I know that happened and I know you were disappointed and I know you felt like I gave and 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 I gave but now God is saying I want to give to you it's time to pour it back in it's time to lift up your vessel again and say, pour it in and I will pour it out. You see, God turned her biggest misery into her biggest miracle. You know, she was in a place of hurt and of grief and of what can I do? But God turned it around. What an amazing story. And we read those seven verses in the Bible and it's still appropriate for us today. God can turn around your situation. God can work in the time right now when you're going through an awful time. Maybe there's terrible things in your life. Maybe you're feeling like, God, I can't see you in this. But God is saying, let me clear vision and show you that I'm always there with you. And I will help you. And I will get glory out of your life because of the oil and the miracles that I want to perform in your life. So my question today is, will you keep giving? Will you keep serving? Will you keep sowing? Will you keep giving up what you have? Don't despise what you have, but give it to God. There's, there's greatness in your life. There's greatness in your gifting and your calling. There's uniqueness in what you have to bring to the table. 
God is saying it's time to get it out of the cupboard, church. It's time to get it out and start to pour it out. So I'd love to pray for you if you'd be, if you'd be able to stand for me. It'd be great to pray. Close our eyes so we can give everyone some space this morning. Well, Lord God, I want to thank you, Father, for every single person here. I want to thank you for the masterpieces that I'm looking at this morning, Father. I want to thank you for the uniqueness of each person here. You've given such an amazing calling and a gift and a talent and a purpose on each life. I want to pray, Father, right now, where people have felt like I've got nothing to give or what I have seems so small and insignificant that in this moment you'd come by your Holy Spirit and you'd remind people that you've created them for your glory that there are things that you've called each and every one of us to do for your glory to build your kingdom to transform lives to see people set free that we'd make a choice today to take the oil out of our cupboard I want to pray an emptying out over each and every person of the things that have caused them to feel stuck and to feel like I've got nothing to give, that we'd empty out pride and offence and disappointment and we decide to go again. That what, what has gone before has gone and we step into the future today. And I want to pray a fresh anointing on each and every person, on the gifts and purpose on their lives, Lord God, that you would stir them up again, Father, to know that they have got your approval to run with what you've called them to do. And there'll be that stirring, that yearning in the heart to pour out what you've given each and every one of us. So Lord God, I pray, Father, that people would just hear your voice through this message, hear the things that you want them to hear and be stirred again to know that you've put greatness on the inside of them. And when they partner with you, they will see miracles in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I just want to give opportunity today for people in the service and online that if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never invited him in to be king of your life and you want to do that this morning, with every eye closed, we'll just raise a hand or if you're responding online today and we will say a prayer and it's just a prayer of invitation for Jesus into our hearts. Okay, so there's people responding this morning. So I will pray a line and if you follow with the, with the line as well, that would be great. Okay. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying in my place. I ask for forgiveness for my sins. I invite you into my life to be my King and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've prayed that this morning, welcome to the family. We're excited for the journey that God has got for you. And now we're going to go out on some praise. Also, if anybody would like prayer for anything at all to do with the message, anything going on in your life, please come forward at the end. We've got a prayer team who would love to pray with you. Amen.